There have never been more options for your next vehicle, but the right choice has never been clearer. That's because Toyota has a high-performing hybrid built for your exact needs, like the stylish all-new Camry XSE Hybrid and Venza, the spacious Highlander and all-new Sienna with more cargo space, and the fuel-efficient and high-performing RAV4 Hybrid. Toyota hybrids save you time and money, filling up less often at the gas station. And of course, all with 10-year, 150,000-mile warranty on new models. Take the next step. Visit Toyota toyota.com slash hybrid or your local Toyota dealership to learn more. ¿Qué tal amigos? Mi nombre es Roman Rojas y Tremenda Vaina es el podcast donde te contamos cuatro historias que desafían la realidad. De las cuatro historias solamente una es mentira. ¿Cuál será? En el último episodio de Tremenda Vaina te contamos de un muchacho en China que vendió una parte de su cuerpo para comprarse un iPad. ¿Será verdad? ¿Será mentira? Suscríbete en iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify o tu plataforma favorita. También nos puedes seguir en Twitter, Instagram o Facebook. All right, you guys, it is the time of the show where we interview someone amazing. Not only is he amazing, but he's family. We've known him for years. We've supported his career. So please, one time for Porfirio Piña, music industry ejecutere. Did I say it right? Ejecutere? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just... First question, could you explain that? What is an ejecutigere? El ejecutigere es un tipo ejecutivo en el negocio de la música que tiene más de 20 años y tiene 50 de tigueraje. Frank, could you please translate for uh -huh. half of our audience? I'm going to have to go into my uh, Dominican dictionary right now, uh, you know, to, to really go in on that. Wow, that's amazing, Pofi. What would you say is the English word for tigeraje? Hustler. Okay. 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 Executive hustler. Party beat. Hi, Popi. It's so good to see you on Zoom. You're out there in DR right now. You've been in the music biz for how many years now? 30 years. Wow. 30 years. So wow. if you had to encapsulate it, if you had to summarize what you do in layman's terms, could you explain to our audience what it is that you do for a living? I've been uh, guiding artists from point A to point C, make them a lot of money and hopefully make them understand that they need to save money so they can stay put when they get old. Hmm. And that's really important, right? Because, I mean, what about the artist's life um, happens that, like, they need somebody like you? Uh, well, you know, managers and executive in the music industry, I, I, I navigated, you know, both. Uh, it's, it's babysitting adults. And sometimes you can take the horse to the river to drink water, but you cannot make them drink the water. Mm. Um, ah. And, and you specialize within certain genres of music or do you deal with any and every genre? Uh, Latin business. I, I have done, I think, everything in the Latin business. All the subgenres in the Latin business from pop to tropical, 
uh, a little bit of the original Mexican. I used to wear my boots and my cowboy hat. Yo, I, yo, you guys, I met Poppy. I don't really know what year. It's not very clear, but when you were at BMI, right? And we, we did a lot of work together. I think when I was at People in Espanol, um, maybe even MTV Tres back in the day, but it was always a pleasure working with you. And I always learned from you because, you know, I'm not in the music biz. I was in the, on the marketing side of an entertainment magazine that covers the artists and musicians. But I always thought it was fascinating just how you, you know, you're out there promoviendo, like moving the artists forward, moving Latinos forward, which is what we do on the podcast. So what was it that made you even pursue this career? Uh, actually, I always had a love, a love for music since I can remember. I mean, uh, growing up in a little town in the Dominican Republic, San Francisco de Macorís, Serie 56, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I used to listen to a lot of baladas and boleros, and, you know, I used to collect uh, albums, vinyls back in the days, and eight-track tapes. It's not the cassette. <laughs> oh, damn, you went back to A-Tracks. Wow. A-Track, yeah. Frank still listens to them in his car. So. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The car used to come with A-Track. And then, and then uh, cassette. I use them as coasters. Yes. <laughs> Collectors items. Oh, my mom used to use them to throw them on my head. <laughs> really? Come on. I said no. I said no. <laughs> Eight is enough, please. Oh, God. Eight track is enough. Jamie, <laughs> come on. So please continue. We're sorry. We're rude. Yes. And uh, I moved to New York in 1978. Mm. I'm 55. So at that time, I was born in 65. How old was I? I was like eight. Uh, and I only lasted like, what, until junior high? <laughs> I was smoking weed. My mom oh, found out. Uh-oh. And, and she sent me back to DR. <laughs> so then you uh, went back and then what happened? I like this like life of Poppy that we're listening to right now. This life is of great. Poppy. And I, well, they never sent me to Colegio Evangelico because I promised my mom, you put me there and I'm going to escape. So it's going to be, uh, you know, a hassle for you because every time I go there, I'm going to go back out. So they sent me back to San Francisco and I did, uh, I finished uh, actually one, two, two years in high school in San Vicente de Paul uh, on my third year of high school. Which is what? That's that's the sophomore year in, in junior? Uh, junior? junior, 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 yeah. right? And then senior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So junior year in San Francisco Macorís, I, I como ocho colegios y de todito me votaron, así que imagina. Oh wow! You a troublemaker like that? San Vicente de Paul, Santa Gracia. <laughs> La Milagrosa, San Miguel, Centro Educativo Neno Olivier. <laughs> wow. No, but why? What were you doing? I, I was a good kid, you know? <laughs> I, I, I was a good, I, 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 you know, setting fires in, in the classroom, uh, stinking bombs, 
Uh, well, so in all your yearbooks, you were like most likely to get expelled. Exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. And then what happened? And then I moved to Santo Domingo to the capital. And I finished my last year in uh, OEM High School, which is uh, the high school and the university of the president of the Dominican Republic and his family uh, right now. And uh, my first year of college was there. And then I went back to the States. Mm. And you still had this love of music? Like, did you, what, did you ever, um, did you ever want to actually be a performer or like, I, did you, have, you know, when I went, I actually, I was uh, an autophile. So I used to listen to high fidelity music oh. and I used to have high fidelity, like uh, Macintosh amplifiers, monophonics put into, into stereos. I had an Atcom preamp, uh, very high end speakers. I had soda turntables. Uh, for those who doesn't know, like the the 1200s, which is the turntable for DJs, yeah, like the best turntable, and and uh, and then you have the Pioneer mixer. The soda tables are like the high end for to listen to uh, high audio definition uh, music. Uh, you can have a jackhammer next to it, and it doesn't bounce. Wow. It's vacuum uh, oh. propelled, so it's is the I think. I used to work and spend all my money buying music. I used to have a collection of probably 3,500 albums. Damn. And Yo, if you worked at Best Buy, you would, you would probably uh, make me buy like $600 headphones. Because the way you're talking about <laughs> it right now. <laughs> Yo, this right here, if you put a jackhammer, you won't yeah, hear it. This has all the equipment you need. And it's like, yeah. all right, yeah, I'm going to buy, buy all that. And then Nelson, so collecting music, I listened to music. Uh, it wasn't until like the 1980s that I started listening to Latin music, but I was a rocket. To me, it was, no yes, to me, it was Jetro Tool. You know, it, it was like way out music. When wow. I had hair, now I have. Give us some more. Wait, name drop some more bands that you were listening to before Latin music. You know, Metallica. Ooh. You know, you know so. Yeah. It, you had the hair. Well, you had the long hair too. Yeah, I had the long. I so had some fucking nice. Yeah. <laughs> hair up to here. Bobby, taking it back, taking it back to twelve hundreds and taking it back to the days. I, me and Pills were going back and forth, and we were talking about your career in general. And I was telling him that I, I consider you like one of the forefathers of merengue, hip hop, like even Spanish trap. Like you're really like one of the forefathers of that genre of music with Sandy Papo, El Proyecto Uno. Tell us about it. Like how did that come into your mind? How, how did those two genres like come into your in your in your creation of your mind? Like what were you thinking about back then? So, so transitioning in New York, I noticed that there were a lot of Dominicans looking nice, you know, nice tetas and culo and shit. And I didn't know how to dance merengue. Mm. And I didn't like merengue. So I started listening to merengue and going to merengue parties. And Nelson from Proyecto Uno uh, was playing uh, with a couple of local bands, Los Mieses. He was at Sewer Park High School uh, and going into La Guardia Community College at, at that time. And... I started like DJing around, you know, so I bought myself 1200s and, and, 
and that and I used to do the the party at 135th and then I play a couple of times in Fuego Fuego and I play Estudio 84. Oh man, back in the that's Washington Heights back in the days. Yeah, with the crates. And actually the idea of uh hip hop and and merengue and dance music it was Nelson Zapata who is the lead and owner of Proyecto Uno and Pavel de Jesus and we are three childhood friends from the Dominican Republic and it happens that Nelson is uh we sort of related he's the brother of my sisters so it was his father who passed away got you know rest his soul uh was my mom's first husband so mm. they had two girls they divorced then he married another woman and he had Nelson Rafaelito and Francis and my mom married another man and had me and but you know how Dominicans are we <laughs> you know, we grew up like brothers you know he spent summers in San Francisco I spent summers in Santo Domingo in his house so you know we had the same sister so that's how we knew and Pavel and him grew up together here in Santo Domingo So back in the night, you know, we used to see each other back. So back in 1989, uh, they showed me a remake of Blockbox, Everybody, Everybody. Mm. Yeah. Everybody, everybody. Everybody, oh, everybody. Okay, stop. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You, you that got was my it. jam, yo. <laughs> everybody. All right. Yep. So, yeah. And uh, they showed it to me and... And I said, wow, you know, this is different, you know, mix it merengue and dance music. But I think you need a rapper in there, you know? Mm -hmm. And Pavel said, oh shit, that, that's a good idea. I have a friend who has a cousin who is a rapper. The friend happens to be uh, Ray Rock, a producer too in dance music, uh, who happens to be Magic Swan uh, cousin. And we brought in Magic Wang as a guest artist. And that's the first uh, 12 LP or EP, you know, with various mixes of Proyecto Uno. We put it out in our own label, PNP, uh, Pavel, Nelson, and Popi, or Popi, Nelson, and Pavel, you know, <laughs> whichever, which, uh, you know. And for two years, we were knocking on everybody's uh, door. We were going club after club, with the vinyl under our arms, you know, it's like, we didn't know anybody. Pavel knew a few people because he was working at Quad Recording Studio. So he was working with Def Jam a lot, which was Dave Morales, Satoshi Tomei, Frankie mm -hmm. Knuckles, you know, the big guys of dance music at that time and all the remixes. So he was assistant engineering and then he was engineering and then he was co-producing with them, you know, a lot of the big remixes. A lot of people don't know that Pavel did Michael Jackson in the closet remix with Frankie, you know, with Frankie Knuckles and Dave Morales. So, wow. Yeah. I mean, color me bad. Pavel has worked in a lot of big records that a lot. Well, of he did. He did. Uh, my more. Uh, I adore me and more. Uh, that's from color me bad. Yeah. Well, I yeah. want to sex you up, which is still my jam. <laughs> well, I went I adore me more because they had a little Latin influence, you know what I mean? Oh, okay. The so, one Latin so guy. He, you know. Well, he did. He worked on the remixes. So uh, uh -huh. back in the early 90s, they used to be they used to do a lot of remixes. You know that I don't know if they still do, but th that's that's the way they used to break records. Uh, DJs 
was a very, very important part in breaking, you know, Anglo music. Yeah, yeah. Pills, you should totally add color to that. Like, is that still the case, or is there a different rollout mm. of music? No, of course. I mean, it's still uh, uh, the DJs are the pulse of the music industry, you know. Um, but because of the whole digital movement, a lot of younger generations forget, you know, that how important the DJs are. You know what I mean? And everybody thinks it's just streaming and this and that, but the DJs are still much alive and still very important for the music industry. So, and Bobby, you know, explaining how he comes from, and I can tell you from my experience that DJs are super important to the, to the whole entertainment industry. Go ahead, Ali, what are we gonna say? Uh, well, I was just going to say, Popi, like, I just have vivid memories of telling my Sweet 16 DJ, I need you to play the song. No pare, sigue, sigue, no pare, sigue, sigue. And I, I, I just, like, put it on my list. Like, it was, it was the motherfucking jam, son. Like, during that era, y'all remember Proyecto Uno, Uno, Uno. Like, I, I don't know how. So, okay, okay. So take us back, because I love this story. So you got the rapper, you put things in place, and then how did Proyecto Uno become Proyecto Uno? So two years, knocking doors, like I said, you know, drinking 40s, we go going into the club because we had no money. Everybody was working. <laughs> uh, it, it, true story, Nelson was working at Pfizer Pharmaceutical, and he was the one who deposited the formula at FDA in Washington for Viagra. What? what? Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> the Dominican came up with that. A sex pill? Of course the Dominican came up with that. That's where that's where I play nobody sigue Pfizer, Pfizer scientist came up with that, but he was the one responsible for filing uh the patent at the FDA and whatever they need to do to, to get Viagra out. I remember that very clearly. He, wow, he there the must have been a lot from... of free samples. So that's what's up. <laughs> you were like, wait, what, is that, what does that pill do? <laughs> it makes it like Mr. Pills? <laughs> Pills? Yeah, Pills. <laughs> Pills. What is that And I remember like in 1991, two years later, uh, WKDM 1380, Raul Lopez was the general uh, manager, programmer, Music uh, program director and La Muñequita uh, play Everybody, Everybody. Mm. And it was a Wednesday around 12 noon. It was crazy, you know. And from there, it started taking off. Then we recorded Brinca, we recorded another uh, uh, song, another cover song with that uh, Money Talks. And we did also the light grows in the heart. Oh, uh, ah. wow. Wait, yeah. money talks is money talks. Money talks. Money talks. I know all those songs. Yeah. That's dope. We call it Tan Interesada, money talks. Tan Interesada, buena para nada. Whoa, money talks. Wow. So then, and, you, go ahead. sorry, go ahead. No, 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 please continue. And we did Brinca, 
And Brinca, it was the first actually merengue hip hop. It was just Magic One rapping to a merengue and, and hip hop beat. And that shit exploded. Mm. You know, all of a sudden, like Spain wants us there. Ecuador wants us there. Venezuela wants us there. You know, it was like, what the heck is going on? You know, uh, so I had quit my job back in 1990, uh, you know, mid 1990s. And I used to go and help JNN, who was a distributor. They signed us. They gave us a fucked up contract. But hey, that's how you learn in the music business, you know. And with Brinca and those other three songs, we've completed an album. And it was Ricky Nelson. Uh, and Magic One was just a guest artist. That's the, the first album. And on the second album, which is Project One is in the house, we put in two Puerto Ricans and two Dominicans. And that's where we did El Tiburon after, you know, uh, two years touring and uh, going around. Uh, you know, we play in New York. Our first show in New York was at Roseland. Mm, I remember that, please. Yep. So when we used to play at Palladium, we used to play, you know, we never play a lot in Uptown. They didn't want to pay money. It's like, ah, oh, nah, promoción yeah. tienen que hacerlo y vaina. <laughs> <laughs> so. Wait, so at that point, in music history, like nobody was nobody was really mixing the genre, like the like rap and merengue. Nobody was really even attempting it like this in music history that you guys were really the pioneers of something like that. Starting I say, that. I said the fusion of it. It was yeah. us, but yeah. it was already uh, because C already with uh, Josie Esteban had Blanca, which okay. was a big song. Uh, also. Eddie Herrera with Wilfrido Vargas in in El Jardinero. And also in here in the Dominican Republic, what a lot of the musicologists considered like the first Latin rap song, they remake Freddy Veras Goico, which is a comedian who passed away, and Boruga. Yes. They remake Rapper's Delight from Sugar Hill Gang. Yes. Mire, joven ya no vale que me lave bañana con su madre que ya le gusta bailar. La seguro que mejor me mato si algún día este cato se la quiere manusia. Y el truco. Y soa. So I think they made that as soon as the Rapper's Delight came out, which was in 1979, when Sugar Hill uh, dropped that. Wow. Oh, yeah. So way talking about 11 years before and El Africano was like probably six years before in the 1980s. And Blanca with Bico C was also, I think, 1989 around there. Yeah. So but it was Proyecto Uno and El General was doing lo que com converted into reggaeton today. Yes. You know? And Nando Boone also was doing it too, which is another Panamanian. And then from Bico C, two girls came out, Francesca and Lisa M. That, that was like 1991 came out. So, and Francesca and Lisa M come from Bico C. And then Francesca was dancing with Lisa M and came out uh, for that. We had a song that uh, 
uh, well, I forgot the labels, uh, Prime Records was the label in Puerto Rico who was pushing urban music. Uh, and they had signed, I think, DJ Nelson at that time, you know, uh, and this was happening too with, with the DJs and the playeros, you know, they were doing the, the reggaeton in like in the 1995s around there. General, en general. Una pregunta, una pregunta, Popi, para la gente que tú sabes que no conoce mucho de tu trayectoria. En todos tus your travels, I'm going to Spanglish, all your travels, can you tell like one of the most memorable stories when you went out with Proyecto Uno or with Sandy Papo or with Ilegales? What's one of the most one of, give me one of those 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 stories that people are gonna get a kick out of, you know what you went through when you were managing. Oh, you, you want you want a funny one? I can tell you two. <laughs> one one is the first show that we did in Ecuador in Guayaquil Terminal Terrestre, 150,000 people, unfucking believable. Wow, you know, wow. it was like the motorcade, like president, uh, four motorcycles. 20 trucks and then us, you know. Wait, were they uh, practicing social distancing? Uh, not <laughs> at that make, time. Not that <laughs> We were practicing social closeness. <laughs> distancing. But I remember once uh, uh, going to, to Spain and coming back from Spain, it was Magic, Magic Juan, Francis Mendez, uh, Nelson, and Ricky. And we were coming back in Iberia, coach. And it was me at the window, Francis in the middle, Magic on the seat, you know, the, the aisle seat. And then there were, you know, Spaniard people in the front and the back. And then the other two guys were further down. And I farted. Oh, shit. And it was thinking oh. as hell. Oh, my God. Wow. And, 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 and the guy in front of me turns back, look at Francis, look at me, and look at Magic Juan. And he goes, Parece que al negro la patata le han caído mal. Can you translate for us, please? Jamie, can you translate? Hey, he said it too fast. Parece que al negro las patatas le han caído mal. He's, he's basically saying the moreno, the black dude. It, it, oh. it looks like the black dude. Oh, because he's like no, yeah. 10 years no. on the plane. I got oh, that one. Man. That's funny. Racism at its best. Oh, man. <laughs> That's crazy. No, you must have a lot of stories, though. You must have a lot of stories. A, a, good, a good fart story. You can never beat a good fart story. <laughs> uh, <laughs> how much money was, what was the, um, the price that you were getting back in the days? For Proyecto Uno, we had two types of shows. Uh, we had a track show, which was a dancer, DJ, and the guys. Uh, we were charging $7,500 a show. Mm. And for club show, if we for bigger venues, $10,000. And then with the band, it was uh, $15,000 and traveling like 17 people. Did you ever go to like one of those... Uh... Like uh, you know, let's call them uh, illegal, illegal. Uh, you know, what do you want to give me a good word for it? Uh, brothel. No, I, can, I can tell you, uh, legal, illegal in Colombia. 
It's a thin line. I want to make sure I'm politically correct on how. Uh, you mean drug dealers? <laughs> yeah, can Bobby. you please specify the illegal pharmaceuticals, you know, where you would buy Viagra? Exactly. Bobby, Bobby, talking about drug dealing, being from the Heights and being from Washington Heights, I want to ask you uh, a particular rapper that we follow up in the Heights, Messia. I saw that you did a, a podcast and you, you guys, you know, had a back and forth. Talk to me about Messia and your situation right now. Well, Messia is a kid that I signed when I was at uh, BMI as Talia Messia. Amazing, amazing talent. And then uh, he was working with someone. Then he started working with Jimmy. And uh, in 2016, Jimmy calls me and said, bro, Who's I want Jimmy, you by the way. Who's uh, Jimmy? Jimmy is from, used to work at, uh, oh my God, uh, Wu-Tang Latino. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Wu-Tang Latino. And then he did his own label called Joe Jai's. And he was working with Tali and Messia separately, you know, yes. both as, as an artist. Okay. And Messia was starting to take off. Uh, he, he always used to call me, ask me for advice. Uh, the year prior to that, I had put Messia to open up at one of the biggest festivals in, in uh, San Jose, Costa Rica. I helped him get uh, a promoter uh, to promote his son in Panama. Uh, I guide him to uh, get him to, to be in Colombia because the resurgence at that time was coming from Colombia in, in reggaeton in 2015. And in 2016, I started working with him. And uh, it was great. It was a great run for 10 months. And you took him out to Europe. I remember you took him out to Europe. I took him to Europe for a month. We did 15 sold out shows. I remember. Uh, when we came back, we left getting paid $8,000 in, in the United States. I came back charging double that, $1,750, uh, $16,000, and we were all sold out. I got him with Vanessa, with Canessa, he used to be our publicist, to be the face of Sean John on the Lion Market. Wow. He was also the voice of Gatorade. Wow. And the plan was always to sell him and be the face of Latino, but in mainstream America. You know, handsome guy who can sing, who can rap, who can write, amazing, you know. Uh, but he's tripolar, not bi. Tripolar? Yeah, Three you know personalities? Some shit like that. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm not a doctor, but... So he owed you money or like, how did it, where did it take a turn? When you build and they destroy, mm. when you build and then destroy, you start losing credibility. You know, Pills can tell you, we went to a meeting that through our mutual friend who has taken two artists to that label. One was that a Yankee and the second was Messiah. I mean, I'm talking a very high-level executive in the music industry. Two artists that have taken to Republic Records. One was Daddy Yankee, and the other one was Messia. Mm. So you can imagine how he thought about Messia. And we had a meeting for 15 minutes, and they canceled every other fucking meeting to give us two hours. Wow. Wow. 
That's Republic. And coming down, we were going to do a meeting with Def Jam, but not that day. We found the VP of marketing and we found another friend who was Dominican who I was talking to to get him over there. And we ended up doing the meeting. We went to eat with the vice president of Def Jam. And then we're talking, I took him to Atlantic and, you know, it was like that. He was going to get a deal with BMG uh, on, on a publishing without having a song on, on the charts. He was unheard of. I'm talking about a multi-million dollar deal, you know, offer from Warner Music. You know, it was like, I don't know if we all got to his head. I don't know. I don't know what happened, you know. But it, it took a run turn around November. Uh, I got him a deal with Sync Music. I put his catalog in order, what he had. He had signed his publishing. Uh, I was discovering all this as it was going along to a Colombian uh, friend of mine that I didn't even know, uh, someone that I knew that I helped get his publishing straight in the USA through ASCAP and BMI. And I called him Dr. Velasquez and I said, dude, you have Messiah signed. Like, um, how can I release him? You know, it's like, this is Porfirio Pena. He used to work at BMI. Pope, yeah. It's Dr. Velasquez, bro. You help me do this. Like, send the release. I'll give it to you for free. No one gives nothing for free in the music industry. Mm. Yeah. You know, so... That will allow me to, to, to get a better deal for him in publishing. We, we met, we went to Pulse in LA to write with like some of the biggest producer at that time who were working with Lady Gaga and we were working, you know, it was like, so there was honest interest from being, I think Messia was gonna be the next big pun. I you agree know, with A you. Latino coming out of New York, you know, I'm breaking barriers. And we, and we were pushing that, you know, we, we were doing the Hat 97s, we were doing the BLS, we were doing, you know, those, those type of, uh, of interviews and those type of media, you know, through Canessa, who's an amazing publicist. I think it's, it's, it's one of the few or the only one Latina who can understand and navigate both markets. You know, she's, she's doing Calle 13 right now, she's doing Maluma. She's responsible for Maluma meeting Madonna. That's how good she fucking is mm -hmm. so imagine so he owed me some money and he didn't want to pay and i didn't want to deal with all the bullshit that was going on you know uh he got problems with someone from the bronx and you know, and you know <laughs> you know and there were some shootings in in miami and there were some shootings in New York. And I said, I'm too fucking awful, this shit. I'm a manager. <laughs> I don't need to be at every show. He got pissed. You know, it's like, nah, uh, managers don't go to every show. You know, you got road managers for that, you know. Mm. And he didn't want to pay me my, it was like $12,500. And I said, uh -huh. okay, fine. Because that's it? <laughs> fine, you know. Fine, it's okay. I don't need it, thank God. And I let it roll. So 2017 came and he was still doing show and he signed his deal with Atlantic through a third party, not directly, you know. Uh, and I counted all the show he did. 
and he got in 2018 a little three kings day present. Mm. The lawsuit. Oh, Toma. <laughs> got the papers. <laughs> Toma, corre ahí. Bopi, you, you deal with so many artists. A question, what's a mistake that you see that many artists make? Like, with all the experience that you've had all these years, what would you tell artists coming up? What's the major mistake that most artists make? I will say Latino artists in general, and I would say Dominican artists. And, you know, just because you're a friend of Pell's doesn't mean that you don't need a public relation person doesn't mean that you don't need a DJ marketing guy. Doesn't mean that you don't need a radio guy just because you're friend with Arturito Sosa. Hmm. The label works because there's a structure. You know, Justin Bieber works because there's a structure. There's a company behind it. You know that does all the things that needs to be done. Doesn't mean that you cannot be friends with pills, but structure means structure. And that's why it works. That's why they become multimillionaires, you know, because there's a structure in it. La Dominicanos don't like that shit. <laughs> and so now fast forward, you're still in the biz and you're working with artists like Prince Royce, Don Omar, Joella Randy, Plan B. I also uh, am a fan of Plan B. Um, Juan Magan, oh. we seen Yandel. So what what's the like new age now in, in music? You know, I'm sure like there are new ways with technology and social media. How have you adapted and what, what are some of those new ways of music nowadays? Well, music changed. You know, the, 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 there was a shift from CD going down, you know, uh, MP3s or, 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 or digital music coming up. It took 10 years for the curve to go up. Now you got all these digital platforms uh, out there, the Spotify of the world, the Amazon music, the titles, the Deezer, the Apple music, the YouTube music, you know, don't get it confused. You got YouTube, the audiovisual, and then you got YouTube music, which is the mm. music channel. You know, a lot of people don't know. It's like, oh, well, why is this happening? You know, it's like, why the YouTube comes out and I only have 20,000 followers and I have a million here. Well, one is YouTube music, one is the YouTube video, you know, I think. I think it's easier because the distribution, you have all these third-party aggregators, which they call, which are the tune cores of the world, which are uh, the distro kits of the world uh, that put your music in all the platform. And they think that just because of that, you're going to have a hit. I tell you, no. <laughs> Unfortunately, you need to work double because you still need to work radio and you still need to work the music TV channels and you still need to work all the digital platforms. So it's more work. I think what the digital world gives you, if you put out one, two, three songs, you know, one every week, and then you say, okay, let me see which one is running. You can see numbers faster than before, that there was no transparency in the music industry through the music labels. So you can see now where is it being played, who is consuming it, you know, what is demographic. And then you can say, okay, out of the three songs, I'm going to push number two. And then you can go all out and put money behind it. You know, mm. 
Pills can do a favor for me, but his knowledge and his contacts, you know, cost money and people don't get that. You know, you can get one favor in mm. this industry. The rest you need to pay. Mm. You know, he, he has Great. built it, you know, pills. When, when he was da- starting doing uh, Latin Mix in, in 2005, a lot of people didn't believe in him. By the mm. way, side, side, sidebar. Side. <laughs> I have to say this. I have to say this because you just put it right there. <laughs> I have to tell you that when I started this this crazy madness about Latin mix, it was such a such a tough, uh, uh, I guess, time to be able to 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 get money from sponsorships. And um, somebody had told me, "Yo, you gotta meet Popey. You gotta meet Popey." I'm like, "Who the heck is Popey?" Oh, it's a tipo. He knows everybody. I was like, <laughs> "All right, set me up a meeting, yo." And I was like, my first, I was like. I gotta go, I gotta go meet this guy, I go meet him. I start talking, I talk about my, my vision, and I tell him what it is, and I swear to God, he said, I got $500 for you. I what? Like, I was like, yo, to me, I mean, I had like, maybe like 3,000 in my pocket, but <laughs> it was, it was, yo, yo, 500 sponsorship, it was like, yo, I was like, Whoa. I started crying and shit. I was like, oh my God. Someone believes in my vision. That I think is the reason. And I'm a I'm an old old school uh, uh, old school person. I believe in like when you meet somebody that sees your vision truly. Like I'm I'm so I ride or die with Poppy to the to the to the death. So I don't care what anybody says, good, bad, or ugly. I ride with Poppy to the end because he right. me from from day one. So. My bad, Poppy. You know, you just brought that in, so I have to like, you know. No, 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 no. Same, same thing. Same thing with Rachel when she was at People in Español. You know, it's like I, I was. Wow. Pushing, I was doing the artists, the songwriters that were artists, a favor, and it was something that I needed. I, I, I didn't have to do it, but I believe in Latinos. I believe in the cause. I believe in pushing us forward. You know, it's like, oh, what are you doing? You know, it's like. Uh, people in Espanol Fiesta, people in Espanol whatever, you you know, and I was pitching and pitching, and how can we get involved? How can, you know, how can be in my help? You know, it's like, I help, but you gotta help, you know, the others. I just remembered who we booked through you and how I met you. Taxi Amarillo. Do you wow. remember that? <laughs> yes. yes. That was, it was the fiesta in Central Park that I was producing. It was like my baby because um, I was put on the executive committee to formulate this event for Latinos in New York City. And we landed at Central Park Summer Stage. And then I was introduced to you by Claudia, who uh, worked with the LAMC conference. That's and right. Then, <laughs> and then, I mean, te lo juro, you guys, like every time I called Pulpi, he always like came through, you know, whether it was an artist thing or a link to a sponsor, like there was always this like um, reciprocating, you know, like, you know, you do favors for one another and then you try to evolve each other's business. So, I, I mean, it was always such a pleasure to work with you and to see like what you're doing now, Popi. I'm a very, very proud sobrina tuya. But my next question is like, so what is what is ahead for you? What are you working on right now? Get us excited. Let us know. We want to support. Mm. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, trying to grow hair. <laughs> hey, pills. Do you want to cover that one? Because. Lo moño, tan así. All of us. It's called five thousand dollars. Oh, nigga, I'd rather be bald. Look at that, huh? So you know, eight years at BMI. In 2012, I I quit. It was it was a great run at BMI, so go, coming coming back from Messia, you know, to BMI to cover all, all of those artists that you said that I signed and pushed forward and helped push forward, and now I have a company called La Oreja Media Group, uh, which is a digital distribution platform. Uh, we have uh, most of the artists coming out of the Dominican Republic on the tropical and pop genre. Uh, I have an artist that I signed. Her name is Techi Fatule amazing singer-songwriter, graduated from Berkeley School of Music. She wow. was just named this year one of the 50 most beautiful people, a people in Espanol. Hi. Oh, wow. Damn. Uh, Zacarias Ferreira. Hi. To me, like, bachata at its best. Uh, working with us uh, almost three years. And in, in one album... Platinum album, uh, three multi-platinum singles, uh, Illegales, a group that I started back in the 90s, also working with us, uh, Manny Cruz, uh, which is a new merenguero, which we don't have a lot of them. We only have two. One is called Gabriel and then Manny Cruz. Uh, he's nominated. He has two nominations for Latin Grammy this year. And, uh, and Pavel Nunez which is a singer-songwriter, uh, also has a nomination uh, in Latin Grammy this year. In incredible enough, not as a, sing a singer-songwriter, but as best tropical song. He wrote a merengue, which is amazing, Ibastaya, and he's nominated uh, on the Latin Grammy and working with Mili Quesada, La Reina del Merengue. Wow. You know, uh, and working with Miriam Cruz, which is, I think, La Princesa del Merengue. You know, who, who, is, who is an artist who plays a lot, you know, Peña Suazo, uh, his son, Mi Mujer Me Gobierna, went viral on TikTok, it has more than 250 million, you know, uh, uh, streams, Incredibles, and like 1.4 million videos done, you know. How do you feel about that, like, real quick, about how kind of the social media has taken over music? That's probably like a, a, a big, a deep, longer question, but like a, a, a quick answer. Is this something that you look for now in artists? They need to have that social media presence when back in the day that wasn't even a thing? Uh, they do because it's a way to communicate with your fans. If you know how to use it properly, Jamie, yeah, it's, it's a way to communicate with your fans and get the news to them faster. Yeah, you oh, know? okay. But, but, it, but it's a combination of both. I think people want to be in your life. They want to know what you do on a daily basis. So it's a lot of responsibility too, because if you don't give them what they want, they're going to go to the next artist right away, you know? And just because you have millions of followers doesn't mean that you're engaging properly with them. A lot of people don't know that. Just because you have a lot of subscribers or a lot of followers doesn't mean that you're engaging properly with them. Doesn't mean that I'm going to pay you as an influencer because you're not influencing crap. 
you know? Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's, it's how many times is that magazine actually passed over and they read in it, you know? Yo, so, let me ask you a question, speaking along these lines before we wrap. So like as a consumer, what is the best way to support an artist now? Like we're not going to live events, so we can't buy concert tickets. Are people still urged to buy music off of Apple? Like how can we best support our own Latino artists? You don't buy music. You subscribe. The, 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 uh, the norm now is subscription based. Is subscribing to Apple Music, is consuming their music, their videos, you know, in one of the platforms, you know, uh, it, it's it's the way. I mean, it's sad that I, I, I don't like this virtual concerts. The energy doesn't flow properly. You know, I think the artists, I'm not an artist, but being backstage, I know when I get goosebumps, when I hear people scream, you know, and they're shouting and they're jumping, you know, when the DJ is playing it in the club, yeah, and that song comes on, you know, it's like that energy. There's nothing I like need, that. Yeah, I need that, you know. And I'm a, an executive, I'm not even an artist. Imagine an artist who yeah. feeds off the energy of the consumer, you know. So, so to me, it's hard. To me, I hope that they can find the cure. To me, I hope that we can, you know, instead of social distancing, it will be social closeness again, you know, so, so, so music can go forward. Well, we're going to, we're going to keep supporting you and all of your artists, please. One time for Porfirio Piña Ejecutigere La Oreja. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Thank you guys. Much. There have never been more options for your next vehicle, but the right choice has never been clearer. That's because Toyota has a high-performing hybrid built for your exact needs, like the stylish all-new Camry XSE Hybrid and Venza, the spacious Highlander and all-new Sienna with more cargo space, and the fuel-efficient and high-performing RAV4 Hybrid. Toyota hybrids save you time and money, filling up less often at the gas station. And of course, all with 10-year, 150,000-mile warranty on new models. Take the next step. Visit toyota.com slash hybrid or your local Toyota dealership to learn more. London Stock Exchange Group is here to be your essential global markets infrastructure and data partner, where open isn't just a platform, but a philosophy, giving you the freedom to make your mark in the world. LSEG. Open makes more possible.